Forgotten by Sarah Bakush. Chapter One The Dark Beginning. Darkness. Everything went black. The horrid thought of my parents' death would haunt me forever. I had so many questions. As the cold wind brushed my face, I wondered. Who was I supposed to go to now? Ever since the horrifying tragedy of my parents' death, my life has been a blur, confusion and horror. I feel like a ghost, invisible, nobody caring for me. Just like every other day, I came to, I came to Shower Rock Beach, the beach where my parents perished. I came to sit on the same rusty old forgotten bench my parents sat on. The only things I had to remember their love was my mother's pearl necklace, which my dad gave to her, and a little toy kitten, which I named after my mum, Lily. The bench where I came to remember the memories of my parents was made by my dad. He always used to make things. And whenever he crafted a new model, he made it with love. And you can feel the love concealed deep, deep inside. As I closed my eyes and breathed in the salty sea surroundings, I felt my leg start to sting. Something was rippling down my leg. I looked down immediately to see what had happened. And there, on my leg, was a terrible wound one of which you would not get every day. Just a few weeks ago, my mum and I had spent hours in the garden with her teaching me how to ride my bike. I, I thought I could manage it on my own. Foolishly, I was wrong. After finding an old spanner from the shed, I removed the stabilizers, trying to remember what my mum had told me. I was doing quite well. She would have been proud of me until my foot slipped in the pedal and due to the pressure pushing on the other foot the pedal span round and tore a big hole in the back of my jeans and from my calf muscle my leg had been bugging me ever since Chapter 2 The Flower For many months I've been roaming these streets in search for a home or someone to take care of me I just wished and hoped that someone would notice me. I missed going to the park with my mum, holding her soft hands, walking towards the pond. But there was one place I had not yet explored. It was down the gloomy alleyway. I had a strange feeling about it. Whenever you reached out to it, you could feel howling winds take over your body, luring you towards sudden doom. But something was calling me. Something was telling me to come take a look. I slowly walk towards the deep abandoned, shadowy alleyway. There, in front of me, was an old, rusty, unstable, unstable shed with a small, lavender pink flower blowing in the distance. Come on, a little girl said, prancing through a bed of flowers. Come on, Mummy, we're nearly there. Following her was a lady. She was dressed in a soft dress scattered with lavender pink flowers. Her brown hair was soft and glowed in the beaming sun that showered their heads. 
I'm coming, the lady replied, humming a song. It, it was familiar to me. I woke up, breathing heavily. I felt dizzy. I realized that that was me and my mum on her birthday, dancing through Lavender Park. I remember that song. My mum made it for me when I was four. I was never able to sleep because we were going to the beach for my birthday. But I regret it. I regret everything I ever did for my parents to die. It wasn't their fault. They didn't deserve it. But neither did I. I picked up the flower. I wanted to cherish it forever. A tear rolled down my cheek. Nobody cared. I muttered under my breath. Nobody. Chapter 3. Is there hope? I stood up, realising that crying wouldn't help. Walking didn't help. Especially because I had to drag around my wounded leg. Everyone looked happy. Everyone but me. The sun was bright and the flowers were blooming. It made me smile. As I walked further and further, I soon came across a sign. I read it and I thought it would change that this may change my future. An orphanage was on this road. I ran, clutching Kitty, my toy kitten, in my hand, forgetting about the cut, with nothing worrying me. I raced to the orphanage, and I thought to myself, a home, someone to take care of me. Nothing could stop me. The building was not what I expected. It was tall and old. The remnants of white paint were slowly peeling off. I started to consider my choices. Find out if this is a good orphanage and have a home. Or to stay the way I am. So I lived the line my whole life. Everything I choose seems to be wrong. Chapter 4. It's not what it seems. So I knocked on the crack on the crooked door, holding my breath. Soon the door opened with a squeak, almost like a mouse. A woman wearing an old rag coat opened the door. She was knitting a scarf, and lurking in the, in the shadows behind her was a bunch of mistreated children. I wanted to turn back, I really did. But the lady yanked my hand and dragged me in. Hey, I cried, you can't do that to me. I came here because I don't have a home. Yes, but I do, the lady replied. So, will you share it with me? I asked in a hopeful voice. No, but I will make you clean it, she said with a slight laugh in her voice. I tried to reach out to the dusty doorknob, but my fingers just brushed the surface. The group of children were wearing red clothes, and like me, they looked like they had not showered for days. Their bushy hair matched a cat that just leaped through the shattered window, screeching as it came. My heart was beating at the speed of light. Nothing made sense. Or had I just got the wrong place? I was given a broom with no instructions. I left into the dark, lonely room. My leg was aching more than ever. And I was so cold and tired and hungry of my day so far. I was waiting for an, for, an, 
for an opportunity to escape. <laughs> Chapter 5 Missteps Escape was impossible. The lady was watching me like a hawk. I could feel her spying on me. She did not take her eyes off me for a second. I wondered where the other children were. I also wondered where I was. I could hear children playing outside. I wish I was them. Lunch time, the lady growled. Suddenly, a stampede of children came running towards her, begging for food. I was starving. And this could be the only good thing about this awful place. I slowly tiptoed towards the others, hoping not to be noticed. But a floorboard creaked. Everybody stared at me for a while. I froze, looking around. They followed me as I moved. Can I have some? I asked in a timid voice. No, you cannot, she snapped. I wouldn't give up now. I have been forgotten for so long, and it will stop here. You can't do that to me, I replied in a strong, determined voice. This is an orphanage, and you are paid to help me. I pushed my way through the children and stood in front of the lady. I am Miss Stilts, she hissed. I looked to the floor. My confidence was now low. Now move, child. There was a quiet giggle as I left the broken room to sweep the remaining dusty floors. I fitted in a glimpse of the other children eating porridge. It didn't look very nice, but to me, anything was okay. Miss Stilts is now my worst nightmare. Every night she makes me sleep on the floors I haven't cleaned. To me, she was evil. If there's any chance for me to sleep, I dreamed of escape. I made a plan in my head. I just had to wait for the correct time. Chapter 6 The Great Escape The clock struck midnight. Silence fell across the city. This was my only chance. I slowly stood up and crept past the screeching cat, trying to make no sound. I know that Miss Doctors always locks the door past seven o'clock, but she foolishly leaves a window open for her cat. I reached up for my ripped cloak and tiptoed past the shattered glass and around the thorny nails. I heard the rain drum on the windows and ripple down my face. As the cold wind blew, I ran across the gloomy front garden towards the towering strong metal gate. Upon it were large metal spikes. I didn't know about this. The rain was heavier than ever. Everything I could see was a blur. Through my squinted eyes, I saw a massive padlock locking the gate closed. I looked for another way, but there was nothing except winter trees blowing in the breeze. I sat, holding my knees, rocking in the cold winter mist. Suddenly, a thought hit me. If I used one of the branches to pick the lock, I would be free. But the tree was located outside Mr. Stilt's bedroom. I walked in the squelchy brown mud towards the tree. Its branches leaned inside the bedroom. This could all work, or it could all go terribly wrong. I leant out to the tree, aiming for the strongest, yet thinnest twig. I had to climb the tree. I 
story snapped the branch so it cracked. I heard a still snort. I felt negative about my plan. I ripped the branch off the tree and jumped down. Who, who is that? Miss Stilts cried. I raced through the gate with nothing on my mind but freedom. Luckily, Miss Stilts had broken, broken a leg so she, could, so she could not catch me. The rain was still showering my head as I picked the lock. There were more tears in my eyes than rain in the sky. The gate swung open. I ran into the dark. I slammed the gate shut, running through the mysterious street. The end. Now my life is the same old lonely nightmare. I keep thinking about how I scraped thin ice at the orphanage. Nobody remembers me now. Nobody knows where I am now. I don't even know where I am now. As I walk along the dull grey streets, I think to myself, now I am truly forgotten. Thank you for listening to my story. I hope you like it. The reason I wrote this story because my parents mean a lot to me and if they were gone, I don't know what would happen. I would feel really, really lonely.